Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. This is Gerald Glasser from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus also as well, if you can like, subscribe, share, follow, or do whatever you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, NBA Draft Junkies, the Run the Floor Podcast, and Lakerholics.com. It is truly appreciated. Well, we're all set for the finals now. Coming up on Wednesday, we have a winner on the West, Los Angeles Lakers. And now we have a winner in the East. With the Miami Heat winning today, defeating the one uh, the Boston Celtics 125-113, to 113, winning the series four games to two. They pulled away halfway through the fourth quarter and never looked back. Boston at the end, gassed out, looked a little bit tired, plus a lot of Bam Adebayo at the end who took control with 32 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. All in all, a very efficient and outstanding game played by him. Great support from Jimmy Butler, which is Goran Dragic provides some. Duncan Robinson hit some timely three-pointers. Tyler Hero playing hero ball, of course. And Andre Iguodala, there was an Andre Iguodala sighting with four for four from three-point land in the third quarter. He just was really on a tear, 15 points at all for him, plus 20 for him. Duncan Robinson was plus 24. My gosh, the numbers were so good for some of these players here on the Heat. And they look to go ahead and face off against the Lakers this Wednesday. And here to talk about today's game against the Boston Celtics is my good friend indeed, you got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, where over 12,000 subscribers are already checking out what he has to offer when it concerns the NBA Draft and so much more. Check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies. It is my good friend indeed. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, we're all set for the finals. Yeah, I mean, we got a storyline. I think either way it was going to be a decent storyline, but Braun versus... Riley and Spolstra, his former team, I think that's going to be a, a good storyline that the NBA can market. And it's going to be an interesting series. Uh, you are going to see a lot of that. I mean, whether you like it or not, you're going to see those Pat Riley stories, and you're going to see all the association with the Showtime era, and on and on and on. And you're going to get your share of Pitbull, I'm sure, Miami, 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 as my daughter likes to say, because it is going to be Miami and the Lakers coming up here but we're not going to preview that game today or preview that finals per se, because I know if we did, 
Laker Tom would probably be somewhere growling at us. Why are you doing it without me? So we're going to go ahead and wait until Tuesday for that. But I'll tell you what, my friend, it was a, actually a very close game today. Actually, halfway, I think, was it nine minutes left? The, the Boston Celtics, or even six minutes left, the Boston Celtics were up by two. They'd hit a three-pointer, were up by two with about six and a half minutes to play. And then from there, it all fell apart. Yeah, I think I saw the stats that something like they were outscored, or Boston was outscored 35-17, to 17, and I think they were up 96-90. They were, at, I think, 102-100. Yeah, they were up 96-90 to 90, about in the nine-minute mark, and then they were up 102-100. to 100. Tough way to lose. Tough way to go out. Um, especially, you know, if you're Boston, you felt like you had this game in control. And you end up losing it in the last you know, five or six minutes. And then, of course, going back to game one when they were just one play away from from winning. Tough way to lose, but they're a young team. And even if you look at the stats, I mean, they're, they're, their stars played well. I mean, yeah. you got 26 from Brown, 24 from Tatum. Tatum also chipped in 11 assists. I mean, he he had 26 shots, you know, 24 points on 26 shots isn't isn't too efficient. But yeah, the 11 assists, seven rebounds. Um, Smart had 20. He wasn't too efficient, also. And Kemba also had 20 and, and five assists. And usually, if you can get, you know, four guys over 20, especially in the East, it's not like it's it's the the West where the, you expect like really really high high scoring games. But they had four guys over 20 points. And Hayward chipped in 12, and it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough at all. And then, um, yeah, it, it's a tough situation for them because I think this is, what, their second time in the conference finals yep. in the last, what, four years? Yes. And I, I think they're just a big man away from getting over that hump. If they can just add a big, and in my opinion, I think there's a couple that will be available um, for a pretty decent price this off season, whenever that may start, you're so used to saying this summer, but this winter maybe, um, this fall slash winter. But yeah, I just think they need size, and um, it was just a situation where they just didn't have enough. At this rate, it might go into spring. Yeah, we we just don't know what's going on. I mean, if the draft is November eighteenth, then. I imagine free agency may not start to December because who wants to have free agency going into the week of Thanksgiving? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'll be total distraction for the league. I mean, the league will, uh, you know, with football and everything else that goes on during Thanksgiving, it'll be uh, totally on the backdrop. And I don't think they would want that, but I, I really saw the deficiencies for Boston today when it comes to, like you said, they're a big man away. Daniel Tice Great as a backup center, but when he's out mm-hmm. there as your primary uh, front court option, as far as from the center position, you really see and start to see the weaknesses there. Bam, really, in that fourth quarter, halfway through in that fourth quarter, really took command, really took charge, and there was really no way that Boston could stop them, which was why I was telling you that the Lakers, for the Lakers, Boston would have been such an easier matchup because. I don't see any way if if Daniel Tice could have been, you know, cannot guard Bam Adebayo, there's no way he's going to be able to guard Anthony Davis. So, I mean, right. it just seems like that the Lakers are getting the more difficult of the two matchups between the two. 
Yeah, um, I think from a Matt, like I said, it's a storyline either way. I think most traditionalists would have loved another Celtics um, Lakers finals, which if the Lakers win, it would tie them with Boston for yes. 17 championships. I think that would have been a good storyline, but I think overall, this is the better series from a competitive standpoint. I think Miami has, you know, an, an all-star big. That he's not as good as Davis, obviously, but I think he can present some challenges there. And then Miami has a few physical, strong wings that that um, you can throw at LeBron and give him different looks. And going out and getting Iguodala, is <laughs> this is what they got him for. You know, I don't think a lot of people thought that move was a, a major move, especially considering that he sat out most of the year. And I know I was critical of him because I felt like he just thought he was too good to play for Memphis and he, you know, didn't want to provide the veteran leadership because he's, you know, he's won a finals MVP and he's won championships with Golden State and Memphis was beneath him. But the gamble for him, it, it paid off. And, and uh, you know, here you are. You got a situation where he gets a chance to, I think this is his sixth straight finals. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. And so um, he can, you know, meet up with LeBron again. It's almost like, you know, every year there's either LeBron, Iguodala, or Patrick McCall in, in the finals. And so we have two of the three this year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're Miami, you have to figure that Crowder, Iguodala, Butler um, can all provide at least some type of uh, – matchups for LeBron, at least they can match him as far as like physicality. So, and then um, their zone is going to be, I think possibly a problem for the Lakers. That's another thing. I mean, although there were instances today where Boston really was knifing through the zone rather easily where they were cutting down the middle, mm -hmm. which is what you're supposed to do. What you're trained and coached to do is cut right through the middle. And they started to really easily do that. I think it got to the point where Miami kind of backed off on such a hard zone after a little while because you saw, again, that they were able to go ahead and knife through so easily. And if LeBron can find a way to do that, that might be a situation. Well, again, we're going to go ahead and cover more of this on Tuesday, but it all depends, like what you're saying, what defenses Miami throws out at the Lakers. For today, though, I obviously when it comes down to it, Tatum was very inefficient, 9 for 26. Yes, he was a playmaker, and he got his career high in assists in 11, so obviously he was distributing to other individuals out there. But, my gosh, when you go for 9 for 26, and then Marcus Smart is extremely in inefficient today, it makes it so much harder for Boston to go ahead and keep up. It just it seemed like they were, they were doing so well just to stay up, and then just at a point where it just seemed to fall apart from there. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned it's just a tough way to go out. Um that, you know, on paper, their guys look like they played okay. You know, they still have four guys over 20 points. Two weren't efficient at all. Um, but, um, you know, they, they have weapons. They have weapons that can cause matchup problems for most teams. But just that one weakness they have in the middle was exploited, especially in um, today's game. I mean, Bam had 32, 32 points, I believe. Yes. He was just a matchup problem. So I was just thinking about... I guess I'm, I'm on my Laker time here, <laughs> but I was just thinking about with Boston, what can they do to upgrade? And you have to say that you got to make a pitch for Dwight Howard. You know, if Dwight 
is uh, which now I think is kind of hurts him in a sense. If Dwight wasn't playing, if if Vogel would have kept going with JaVale, then I think that Dwight would Dwight would have been likely to leave for more playing time. But now that he's going to, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to be getting a lot of minutes going forward. I think that he he's likely to stay in LA. Of course, if the money's different, I don't think Boston can offer a lot of money anyway. But um, they definitely have to find a way to, um, you know, just to get some size because Bam is going to be there for a while in Miami. And with Embiid, and, you know, Philly comes back healthy, Boston, uh, that, that's just a big glaring weakness. So Hassan Whiteside could be somebody that they could look at. That's who I was thinking um, of. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody else. Um, yeah, I just thought Dwight and, and Hassan could be available for, for cheap. But at the last minute, the Lakers have made some changes, and I think Dwight's value is going to go up. So um, that kind of helps the Lakers out. There you go. Going on the Jeremy Grant plan there, you know, come in. Last round of the playoffs, stars. So everybody leaves. Everybody has that last impression of you of you playing real mm-hmm. awesome before you head on out. So that's for an agent. That's that's ought to be. That's got to be want. great. Yeah, that's what you yeah. want. That's that's what you want, especially in not the Montrez Herald, not the Montrez Herald way. Yeah, I think Grant is going to end up getting more money than him. I mean, I, I did read Dallas is interested in Harold, and I think it's more so from a to bring some toughness and, you know, to protect Luca. Um, I don't know how true that is, but I could see that being somewhat of a, of an option for them. Um, but yeah, I think Jeremy Grant, he's, I read he's opting out, which in this case, a lot of guys aren't going to opt out because they want to take the, the guarantee money. They don't know if their value has increased or not, but I, I think that he has to be top priority for Denver to resign this, um, off season, absolutely. <laughs> Keep yeah. wanting to say summer. This, like I said, it could fall go into the spring, my friend. But I am going to say that that the Celtics do need depth because right now they seem to be just after Hayward. There's not much there as far as on the bench that Stevens could look to, and I'm kind of surprised by that. The reason why I say that is because. You know that Ainge has had so many options as far as drafting, as far as acquiring assets, having more in the treasure chest than virtually every other team or any other team, excuse me, out there. I would have thought they would have built a better line of depth than they did. But when it came down to it, they really seemed to only have once Hayward came back, that obviously gave them a lift. But after mm-hmm. that, there just didn't seem to be much there to, that they could draw from that could be consistent players out there for them yeah i think they had you know their picks have been mid to late round um robert williams to me is like the x factor i think he has all the talent needed but there had been some red flags about his commitment to basketball dating back to college and he um he just doesn't seem like he's made the jump that he expected dating back to the when he you know actually overslept yeah, there were, I mean, there were a lot of stuff as far as just like Intel that made his draft stock fall. Cause I think if he would have came out his freshman year, he would have been a top 10 pick. Yeah. And then his sophomore year, that's when, you know, he just all the, the you know, the Intel came out about him being lazy and his desire. And then he ended up, you know, falling significantly in the draft, cost himself quite a bit of money. But I think he's the X factor. Um, Romeo Langford, who they had last year as a lottery pick, he spent most of the year injured, if I'm not mistaken. And then, um, 
You know, I thought Grant Williams gave them some some pretty good minutes for a rookie. He had the big defensive stop that got them out of the last series against uh, Van Fleet. But yeah, I mean, you just you look at their roster, and if you're like a rookie, or you know, you wonder where can you get playing time if you're not a five. You're not going to get a lot of playing time with uh, positions one through four. But then on this series show that they don't really have a lot of depth behind behind their guys. So um, and, and they don't have the confidence. Well, I was going to say they don't have the confidence, of Brad Stevens, because you look at the box score, my friend. After you get past Hayward at 32 minutes, the rest of the entire bench, it was 10 minutes from one of the players, which was Grant Williams, and then everybody else in single digits. And that is kind of concerning, I mean, as far as the bench is concerned. I mean, if that just sounds like to me that the coach does not have any confidence behind Hayward if you can't play someone more than 10 minutes a game. Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting because uh, they had two guys over 40, but Miami only played seven guys and really six. Um, um, Solomon Hill played five minutes. Other than that, once they had um, yep. six guys played over seven. 27 minutes, and then Miami had, I'm sorry, Boston had, um, you know, they played, Boston played more players. It's just, it's just kind of weird because it, you can look at Miami. If if they would have lost other way, then you could have said they had the same issues with, with depth because they didn't go deep in their rotation at all. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But it seems like they get more contributions like from a Daniel Jones when they finally bring him out. You mentioned Solomon Hill who played, I guess, some solid minutes. A lot of people were saying the other day, even though he didn't score. Uh, that, you know, I'm not going to say Myers Leonard, but Kendrick Nunn who, the, you know, at the first part of the season was really kind of a bright spot for the team. And then yeah, you also, yeah, <laughs> and he didn't even play. And then you yeah. had also as well, Kelly Olenek, who at certain points in this series gave them a lift as far as from the three-point range. So that's what yeah, I was yeah. going, basing it off. Yeah, of. that's true. Yeah, and Myers Leonard started like 51 games this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It just kind of seems like Miami was kind of fooling people all year. <laughs> like they were just kind of cruising and coasting. And then once the playoffs started, they just kind of threw a different, you know, a different lineup at you. I mean, I know Crowder and Iguodala came late in the season, which <laughs> late in this season was a week after all-star break. Yep. So that kind of changed things up a little bit, but um, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I guess Miami probably feels like they, they'd be comfortable if they had to play, you know, four different guys off their bench, 20 minutes a game because they've been able to play those guys, you know, a decent amount of minutes throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you saw Derek Jones Jr. come in there uh, previous occasions for like 
15 minutes, 10 minutes here for defensive purposes. Kendrick Nunn, I mean, he's in the doghouse now, but my gosh, like I said, he was first team all rookie. And then you, you have Kelly Olenek who came in there in spots during the course of the series and hit those three pointers. So I, I just think right now that when it comes to Boston, I think they need to go ahead and just maybe just start looking into trading some of those assets that they have still, even to this day, and to look to better their team now while you have such young talent that's on the verge of going perhaps to the – is there later, you know, this time next year to the finals. Actually, maybe earlier than this time next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have three first-round picks this year. I, From day one, I said I cannot imagine them keeping all three picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, they could definitely um, move those three picks and – you know, I don't. I don't know if there's a team that would like to dump some salary or not. And I don't know. I, I think they do have some options. They do have some options, indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to a good friend, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to see what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies, and also as well his Run the Floor podcast. You got to go ahead, NBADraftJunkies.com, but especially check out his awesome, awesome YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies. So before we head on out, my friend, and you've given everybody an update on what you're doing, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick, when it comes to what we're seeing with the heat coming up, I know we're, we want, don't, I don't want to go into much for preview because then we start going to preview mode and that's going to be another half hour. And I could hear Laker Tom again telling me, you know, why are you doing it without me type deal. I just want to ask you, like coming off this victory, you know, you see the high that they're on. You see how excited, but the first thing that was noted to me is how excited that they are and how, you know, the, the what all over Twitter now, the picture of LeBron just sitting on the ground because he's looking to do something more. I mean, it's it's kind of a little bit different. Yes, Andre Iguodala obviously has been there so many different times, but mm-hmm. that team in Miami just seems so thrilled with enthusiasm. Could you see a little bit point where, you know, when it comes to the bright lights of the NBA Finals, at least in the beginning, them being a little bit nervous as they tip off? Not, I don't think so at all. I, I don't, I don't, I think that even though a lot of, I mean, a lot of the players haven't been there, their front office and staff has. I think they, they know how to, uh, you know, keep the players level. I think Jimmy Butler um, felt like this is where they were, you know, supposed to be. So I don't think he's too thrilled about it because I mean when he signed with Miami this is what he you know went for he wanted to prove that he could go to the finals and win with his own team and so far uh, he looks like he made the right choice I mean I think you know between Haslam and Morning and all those guys around there they'll make sure to let those guys know that still four games away still four games away from um, you know from making it so um, no I don't I don't think so I think that it's going to be a really good series. I mean, I think Miami's going to be the underdog, obviously, but I think that um, it's going to be a good series. I, I, too early for me to make a prediction right now, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it go six or seven games. I want to ask you this, my friend, and that's funny because you said that, and we're talking about the date relative to the date that we're, we're talking about. And can you believe that actually a day ago yesterday, the day that the Lakers won the Western Conference Finals, that – it was picture day for the Lakers. Yeah, I saw that uh, with another team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> media day, <laughs> media day, 
and the NBA championship or, or the finals are like 12 months apart. That's just crazy. Yeah, they were just about ready to get on, get, you know, not to China yet, but they were ready to do their exhibition games a week from now and then go to China mm-hmm. not too much long after. Yeah. And, you know, I was in China, as I've mentioned before at that time, and it was just so much going on at, at, at that particular time with the whole situation with, with Maury and all of that. And um, he hadn't spoken those know, words I, as of yet. He hadn't spoken as of yet, but I had planned on um, going to Shanghai and trying to catch one of those games. I know. And, and I think just, they send the Nets, if I'm not mistaken. But then they ended up, what? Uh, it, it because he said those comments, and then the Lakers and the Nets were in China at that point in time. Mm-hmm. They there was question. I, they did can't didn't they cancel one of the games? Yeah, they canceled one of the games. It was just weird, like being there because in China they have CNN and CNN is in English, mm-hmm. but it's controlled. So anything that was said that could have been seen as negative to Chinese, I could be watching it, and the screen would just go black, and I couldn't hear exactly what was being said um, and I lived right around the corner from the NBA store and uh, I was wondering like if they're going to take everything down um, and then I remember walking out and a guy asked me was I American and I'm like do I answer <laughs> do I answer yeah or I don't know if there's like this feeling towards Americans it, it but it wasn't I mean it was it, it was fine but it was just weird because it seemed like it was so long ago. And then, you know, seeing the pictures today of like different media days, it's like, wow, it's been, it's been a year and we still haven't even completed this season. And baseball season's already over as far as the regular season's concerned. I mean, that ended today, too. So it, all this stuff is going on. I mean, we're already in week three of the NFL. The hockey season's going to end this week because it's uh, three games to two, I believe. So that's going to end this week just now. Because they had their media day two weeks before, in mid-September. Mm-hmm. So, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. This this 2020 has been crazy for altogether different reasons. But I'm just glad that one of the best things about 2020 was meeting you, my friend, finally reaching out, finally getting connected. I don't know if it's been good for you, my friend. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, I, sucked you, I sucked you into all this. So Yeah, I mean, it's been good. I mean, I'm here every day. So, it's... Uh... I enjoy it. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm honored indeed, as always. But before we head on out, my friend, I do want to hit you up on what you're doing at NBA Draft Junkies. I know. Every day, every day. But still, if somebody hasn't heard this show yet, or this is their first time listening, I want to hear your thoughts on exactly what you got cooking up this week at NBA, at NBA Draft Junkies. Yeah, this week I think I'm going to focus on maybe five to seven international prospects that I think will be drafted in the second round. And then I'll do, um, I'll post those videos along with just some uh, commentary on what I think they can bring to a team or what their upside is. And then I'll, I'll do a few um, more interviews as far as like um, having different, um, I don't want to call them fans, uh, subscribers or listeners come on and share their, their big board. And one of the guests I have on this week will be uh, Gerald Glassford from the Lakers Fast Break. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to hearing um, hearing your big boy, your top 14. And, you know, we'll just kind of go from there. My goal is at least five to seven videos this week, which I, I think I should be able to accomplish. 
because I have got some tweaking I already started on it that's not been posted on my popculturecosmos.com site so uh, I'm going to throw some in on there for you but I was thinking should I give you the shock value of some of the other guys that have been on your show already or should I just go ahead and straight up how I feel <laughs> you got to go with how you feel, but you know, I'll take the shock value if I can market it and I get 10,000 people saying you're an idiot. <laughs> it might work for me. <laughs> uh, that would probably be just slightly under what they do already. And that's the slight <laughs> number right now. Pokashevsky, number one. How'd you go with how, how about that? I, you know, what? actually I, I did a video with a guy and he did have Pokashevsky number one. I just never published it because it was just bad quality. I mean, it was just really, really bad. He didn't, you know, I, I, I tell him like, I prefer a computer, not your phone. He used his phone. The lighting was bad. Then whenever he charged his phone up, the echo is just, yeah, I mean, it would have been crazy as far as shock value because his, his list was all over the place, but I didn't want to compromise the quality of my site. So I never, I never published it. I'll say this with Pokashevsky. Alexei Pokashev, great talent. Kid's got a lot of mm -hmm. talent. There's no way you could pick him up number one, looking like a beanpole like he is. I mean, he's got to eat. The kid's got to go ahead and hit a buffet or two. It's just well, okay. You yeah. can't really do buffets now in coronavirus land, but he's got to <laughs> get. Let's can we send him down to Italy? Get him some nice Italian food. Get him some of those carbs to get him. Some, you know, put some weight on him. Yeah, he's only 18. I mean, he's the youngest player in the draft, so I think he he has some time. And I mean, you know what? Honestly, I feel like if if uh, there wasn't like pressure from like the media or ownership, I I wouldn't be shocked if a team decided to take him number one just based off of his potential. But I don't think anyone has the guts to do it because he's such a a relative unknown. Um, you know, based off of you know, he didn't play a lot of games. Obviously, the season was cut short over there. And I don't know if a lot of teams got a chance to really watch him live. I mean, maybe their international scouts did. But, um, you know, how many teams are going to allow their international scouts to influence them to make the decision of the number one pick if the key decision makers had it, hadn't watched him play in person? But, yeah, I mean, I think overall, if you just had, like, no none of the outside factors and you didn't have to convince your your owner – about drafting this 18 year old, seven foot, 190 pounds. Yeah, I was going to say, is it over <laughs> or under 200? Because it still looks like it's under. Yeah, but I think just, you know, with the success of of his fellow Serbian, Jokic, and even like Bam having like a, a, a big that can pass. And, you know, with that type of skill set, I definitely think that there's a, um, you know, there's a, a big interest in his skill set, but yeah, I just don't think from the, the, uh, I guess the politics of basketball, nobody's going to really take a risk on him that high. Cause I've told you from the beginning, I've been really high on him, but even I, if you look at my current, see him still, what, yeah, maybe 12, 14, I forget off the top of my head, but I can understand why, because there are obvious risks in taking him because he has not developed any type of strength or weight yet. And people mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, you can add weight. It shouldn't be no problem. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just stay, you know, at a low weight that's going to basically keep them ineffective throughout their entire career. I mean, we've seen, what was it, Bender, Dragon Bender. He just never really gained the strength that he needed to. And it, obviously, that's one of the many reasons why he's never been able to be an effective player in the NBA. 
Yeah, but I think you have the same questions about LaMelo Ball. I mean, he's right now, I think the last listing they had him at was like 180 pounds. So he's pretty light. Um, so, But he's more of a safer pick as far as the media is concerned because, you know, they're a little bit more familiar with him and he's going to generate tickets, even if he ends up being, you know, God forbid, a bust. But, you know, your first year, you're going to sell a lot of ball jerseys. You're going to get a lot of ticket sales if fans are ever allowed to come to the games, but maybe even league pass packages. So I think, yeah, even there, it's it's a safer pick simply because, you know, financially, uh, you 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 get your money back short term. But I think just overall skill for skill, like I said, He's really good. He is really good. I've what I've yeah. seen, and I watched a lot of video after after you first alerted me way back when, and then mm-hmm. I looked at him, and I really got high on him. And then a lot of people were calling me. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're kind of out there. Man, the guy is so thin, thin. I said, look, even I know he's under two hundred pounds, but the guy has he's got all the tools to go ahead and succeed if he's able to go ahead and just work on some of those other small things like gaining weight, gaining strength, and being able to be out there without getting bowled over. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the, the biggest concern for me is, is toughness, and I've mentioned it on a few podcasts. I saw him in person. I went to the tournament in Greece last summer, and he had one game where it was a big matchup against a kid. Um, I can't pronounce his name. It's like Ariel Hoke-Porty. He's projected in either 21 or 22 draft. He's a big from Germany. He actually won, I think he won MVP of the uh, Basketball Without Borders camp this year at NBA All-Star Weekend in Chicago. But he's a big from Germany, and they were matched up. So it was kind of like a big deal for all the the scouts to go watch them play against each other. And Pokashevsky played six minutes. He was 0 for 5 from the floor. After he checked out for uh, to be substituted out, he never came back in the game and just didn't play. I mean, he seemed fine on the bench. There wasn't any signs that he tweaked the ankle or shoulder or anything like that. There was no ice on him. He just didn't get back in the game. He did the layup lines at halftime, looked fine, and didn't play the next game. And so we were just sitting there wondering, like, is he hurt? Did they get a call from his agent or somebody? It's like his stock is high. <laughs> I don't know. It was really, really weird. And, um, you know, he had a big game that kind of got him on the map. He had a game where he probably, I don't remember the exact box um, stats, but he had a triple-double, and he had, like, multiple blocks, multiple steals. He just showed his whole skill set. And then, of course, now everybody's kind of following him around and, and uh, you know, his name kind of spread on social media. So I was there for a week and, you know, he, he showed flashes of his talent, but he just disappeared. And to this day, I still don't understand why he um, didn't finish the rest of the tournament. It's a shame, but I, so, I, I just think there's a lot going for him. I, I agree with you. Oh, yeah. Talent wise, talent wise, skill for skill. I mean, he's a unicorn in a sense, um, you know, seven foot natural you know, fluidity of a wing can pass, shows flash of being able to shoot and block shots, get steals. The talent is there. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it all together. And then, but one of my questions with him is, I guess we kind of went on a tangent here, yeah. is he seems so naturally talented and naturally gifted. It seems like all of that has came easy to him. 
I wonder like how, um, you know, now that he's a, he'll be a pro and now that, you know, he has to really work at getting stronger and, and, you know, getting beat up against bigger, tougher guys, even if you throw him in the G league, you know, how's he going to handle being hunted in a sense? But he just seems like, I don't know. I don't like I said, I don't know the guy. I don't want to say like he doesn't work hard, but he just seems like everything that he has is just all natural gifts. So if he does finally get that killer attitude, watch out. Yeah. So it can go either way. It can go where if he gets that, you know, that drive behind him, then he becomes a star. Or he could be like one of the guys that was just so naturally gifted early that they never really reach what everybody perceives as their uh, their maximum potential because they just haven't had to work. I think like it's somewhat of a bad comparison, but I look at Andrew Wiggins. I think he's so naturally talented that he was able to just get by and be the number one pick based off of everything that he did in high school because he just has so many just natural gifts. And now there's like this something that is missing that's taking him from being a star, even an all-star. I think he's going to have a, he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to have a long career. If he stays healthy, he's going to possibly be a starter for another seven, eight years. But there's something that makes you want to desire like more, like, you know, there's something that that's missing. So, um, but it happens, you know. You got some guys that are just so naturally God gifted, talented. Then you got your Jimmy Butlers that that um, you know, hustle. But then it makes you appreciate like LeBron. He was born with all the natural gifts. He he was given like the best <laughs> starting point ever, but there's still a drive in him and it's not money motivated. He's made a gazillion dollars, but he still is like driven to to be the best. And so that's just a whole nother level. So it just makes you really appreciate guys like, like your LeBron, your Kobe's, those guys who had the natural gifts and they didn't stop there. Well, for more insight, like he's giving now, you got to go ahead and check out everything that he does at NBA draft junkies. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. I'll say this with LeBron. It's always funny because I always think, as, you know, as far as analytically speaking here, if you're looking out for a scientific, like perfect NBA body type, NBA height, weight, what is the perfect NBA? I mean, it seems to come around right around LeBron's as far as athletic ability, size, weight, strength, speed. He seems to have, he seems to check all those boxes. And I'm not saying this just as a Lakers fan. I'm just saying is as, you know, even when I saw him for many years, it's just like, okay, he's got the height. 
He's got the strength. He's got the weight. He's got the size. He's got the the athletic ability. He's got the he's got the passing. The only thing is, if he ever got the touch that he had for that one year in Miami when he was hitting forty two percent of his threes. Outside of that, you know, he's you know his his shot is a little off and his free throw shooting will be there. But he's about the best player that's as far as from an analytical mind or a scientific mind that's ever been out there. Yeah, and I even think his shooting is underrated because you look at the stats, he's a better three-point shooter than Kobe and Jordan on a higher volume of attempts. And I think with Miami, the reason why the three-point percentage was higher is he was probably getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities. But if you look at now, almost every three that he shoots is off the dribble, which is not as efficient of a shot. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that his shooting – is so underrated because you can't really you can't go under screens and I just think, yeah I just think that he doesn't get the respect he, uh, he deserves as a shooter especially when you compare him to Kobe and Michael I just think percentage wise percentage wise he is better good. yeah which I'm not saying much he's better I, I, I don't want to get that argument out there because then you start getting that <laughs> you, you know what I mean well yeah because I just think we're at a point now where you know, people forget that Kobe and Michael miss jumpers. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen if LeBron misses a shot late in the game in the fourth quarter, you're going to see Kobe never missed that shot or Jordan never missed that shot. Um, but he'll be more appreciated once he's done playing, which, you know, at, at the rate he's going to probably be like 2030. Well, you said he's only 25. So 25. Yeah. So what are you saying? NBA Films seems to go ahead and, and lose all that footage of both Kobe and MJ missing. I think so. I mean, like, <laughs> all right. I, I, and another example is, weren't the Lakers up 3-1 versus Phoenix one year? Yes. It's never talked about. Or the, or the, uh, <laughs> or the missed shots that was described in the book that of the author I'm going to be speaking to tomorrow, Jeff Perlman about how Kobe's first year, you don't see the footage of him missing those, airballing those shots against Utah in his rookie year. Or getting swept in 2011 after coming off a championship. Yep. Never talked about anymore. Never. <laughs> it's weird. It's like the Kansas it's, song, it... Dust in the Wind. Yep. Dust in the Wind. All it is is dust in the wind. Yep, right there for you. <laughs> Almost like Thanos had snapped it away. But uh, I won't go there I will just say this when it comes to Jimmy B, and you spoke about Jimmy B real quickly. I wonder what they're thinking in Philadelphia right now. Or, or Minnesota. I mean, they had, they were fourth in the West before he got hurt his last year in Minnesota. Third or fourth. And then he got hurt. Yeah, then ended up falling down to, to eighth. And, um, yeah, <laughs> they, I mean, Simmons and B, Wiggins, Cat has to think like, man, we're probably more talented than what he has in, in Miami. And we should have just took his lead. Oh, what can you say? Decisions, decisions. But I don't know. Again, uh, you know, Eldon Brand talked about before. I don't know if he should have kept his job or not, but he has. But now he's got to like watchful eyes now coordinating everything with him. So We'll see what happens there. And obviously the coaching situation with Mike D'Antoni possibly getting the job. I know we'll talk about that if it happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. So we'll 
may be able to talk about that. But there's so much going on in the NBA, my friend, but it all starts this Wednesday coming up with the NBA Finals. On Tuesday, we're going to go ahead and have a preview because you know we can't have a Lakers heat without Laker Tom and some of the Lakerholics.com crew. Monday, I've got Jeff Perlman from the number one sports biography book, Three Ring Circus, covering the early years of the early 2000s of the Lakers dynasty there, talking about Kobe, Shaq, and Phil, not only during, but much before when they first got together and also after with the fallout and all that. So some, some great stories. I actually had a great interview with Jeff Perlman. And I'm going to play that tomorrow for everybody listening on audio. If you want to go ahead and watch it, it's available on Facebook right now at the Lakers Fast Break. So I will go ahead and have some stuff. Pop Culture Cosmos is coming out with a new episode tomorrow. So a lot of great things are coming up from both of us right mm-hmm. here. It's a lot of great stuff. We're podcasting, putting out stuff right there as far as videos, audio, everything that we can do right here to entertain you on all the stuff that we're doing. So... A lot of hard work for both of us up in the near future, my friend. Work, 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 work. Indeed, indeed. And, but there's still a lot more work when it comes to the NBA because we've got the NBA Finals coming up on Wednesday. Don't forget our preview of the NBA Finals coming up on Tuesday. And I'm looking forward to covering the NBA Finals with you, my friend, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.